This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 449. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by my old buddy, Jacob Paulson. Thanks, Riley. You know, saying things like that, I know it puts a smile on your face, and thus it puts a smile on mine, and, you know, the world goes round, win-win, all the way around. I don't know how to feel about that, because there's a competition in our warehouse I've noticed recently, unbeknownst to me, where they try and say things to get me sm- to smile, because they'll say <laughs> something like, like I'll, you know, they'll say something and I'll smile, and then one one of them will say to the other, like, you see that? I got him to smile. <laughs> and it's happened several times. So apparently, I am the Grinch of ConcealedCarry.com. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, I've tried to be a little. Uh, a little, a little more upbeat as of late in in the warehouse because I've been a bit of a grunt, gr- Grinch, a grump, because I'm tired of like working in the new office remodel. Uh, <laughs> so I've been been trying to put a smile on my face more and more as well. I know that probably sounds like a surprise to some people, but uh, even I, uh, Jacob knows this. I get grumpy sometimes. <laughs> true and i'm just boring <laughs> and emotionless generally speaking <laughs> today's episode is well almost episode 450 and this is almost a 450th episode worthy topic i feel but instead it is episode 449 actually we were going to have with us on today's episode uh it was going to be a totally different podcast episode it was going to be with a guest uh, Brian Conley from Hunters HD Gold. We were talking about some like vision and eye pro kind of you know eye, eye protection related stuff with Brian. Uh, and unfortunately, he had to reschedule, and so it looks like we're going to have him back on next Tuesday uh, for the podcast. So just a heads up there. Looking forward to and what what I think will be an interesting episode with Brian Conley from Hunters HD Gold. Um, so uh, Jacob and I kind of. Well, really, I, I guess I'm the one that threw out the idea, but we had to scramble, put together a different episode uh, uh, for today. And so we're going to talk about the one thing that's made all the difference in our shooting, meaning shooting skills or, or the actual act of shooting a gun. Um, shooting skills or shooting skills. And, uh, you know, we're not talking about tactics or defensive stuff necessarily today. We're just talking about running your gun. And, you know, in the last, even in the last few weeks, and certainly in the last few months, and in the last year or two, uh, you know, it's this constant evolution, at least for me, of trying to discover more of who I am as a shooter and continually level up, trying to get to that next level, uh, whatever that is. Um, it just means I'm pursuing excellence as a shooter. Jacob, I know uh, you, you don't tackle it quite with the gusto that I do, but I know you care about uh, being as good a shooter as you can be. So let's let, we'll break down this idea today of what's the one thing that's made a lot of difference for us. Today's episode 
sponsored, brought to you by the Cool Fire Trainer. Uh, we are proud uh, dealers of Cool Fire Trainer. Uh, we've been selling it now for a couple of months on our website. Actually, since uh, just shortly after SHOT Show, I think is when we uh, got things rolling with Cool Fire Trainer. Uh, I don't know whether you are aware of that, but uh, you know, I, I think the Cool Fire Trainer is a, is a unique training device. Uh, it does something that nothing else does, and that is allows you to train with a resetting trigger on your pistol uh, with recoil action. And it's through, through a clever use of some pistons and other fancy stuff. Uh, you replace the barrel and recoil spring in your gun, and away you go. Uh, cool Fire Trainer, I, I'm going to make some connections back to it once we get a little bit deeper into our topic today as I talk about the one thing that's made all the difference for me as a shooter and the cool fire trainer has has a lot to do it has a lot to do with especially in this day and age where yeah Jacob's got one there he's holding it up in this day and age where ammo is so difficult to come by and is expensive this type of dry fire training tool becomes even more valuable. Guys, go on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash cool fire. That is C-O-O-L-F-I-R-E. Concealedcarry.com forward slash cool fire and pick up a cool fire trainer today. Jacob's got one for his Glock 19. And I also have one for Glock 19. I need to get one. I've said this before, but I really got to get one for my SIGs now especially for my uh, competition use. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's Jacob assembling it. You know, that's how that's how simple it can be. You know, in just about a minute or less, you can pick apart your live gun and assemble your cool fire trainer and charge it up. And let's hear some shots there. Yeah. Cool. There you go. So, um... Yeah, let's get into it, Jacob. What's the one thing that's made all the difference for us as shooters? Uh, and, and I'm 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 trying to decide how to come at this, but I think the thing that we need to, as far as like lay groundwork wise, is the perspective that I have in mind for this episode today is you need. We're not talking about grip or trigger control or at least I'm not I don't know Jacob you might have some some other you know ideas there but I'm I'm talking above and beyond the basic fundamentals as they are commonly referred to of shooting uh, I'm making the assumption that you've already got grip pretty well figured out that your recoil management as a result of that is pretty sound uh, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it, but you've got pretty decent mechanics. That your trigger manipulation is is good enough to make you know good consistent shots on pretty much any of the targets that we would expect you to be able to make, particularly with like a defensive context in mind. Meaning that if you can reliably get zone hits on a UFPSA target. At 25 yards, and also people are like 25 yards, that's beyond a gunfight. If you can get reliable hits on an A zone target at 25 yards, I mean it's not it's not that hard to do. I could spend a couple hours with a newer shooter on the range and we can get reliable hits 
on the A zone 25 yards and really no time at all. So if you can do that consistently, that's the assumption I'm making. So you're at a point where your fundamental skill is pretty well there, but maybe you're struggling with how to or even where to get, you know, like what's the next thing for you? That's kind of my approach on this episode today, Jacob. Okay. Uh, that mostly didn't make any sense to me, but we're going to find out what in the world you're talking about. Well, again, the idea is that I made the assumption that we're not, you know, your grip and your grip and your trigger control and all that is pretty much already pretty decent. You're, you yeah, know, no, you've I, got basic stuff. I got that. What I, where I'm lost is that you have this one thing that has made all the difference for you, but it's not a shooting skill. So there's one thing Riley's done that's made all the difference in his shooting skills, but it has nothing to do with shooting skills. And that, that's, that's where you lost me, but nope. we're going to, we're nope. going to find that's out. Not, that's not what I said at all. Oh, I okay. I'm saying we're not talking about those common fundamentals. Um, I mean, it ties into those things. Okay. Uh, particularly with, well, all right. So should we just get into it? I mean, I'm, I'm bearing yeah, the, I, I know, you're bearing but I can quite a bit. You know, I, I can't give away all the marbles right from the get-go. <laughs> or, or you could give away the marbles from the get-go. I suppose that's that's your prerogative. <laughs> How about before I give away my marbles, you give away your marbles? You said that recently, sure. even you, you know, that there's been something that's made a difference for you in your shooting. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I remember there's that whole thing of like uh, incompetent, incompetence and competent, incompetent, you know, whatever. It's like knowing what you don't know, not knowing what you don't know. And like all, you know, whatever, yeah. like, you know, I can't remember how it flows, but I generally live yeah, in that. Getting Kruger effect is what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I generally, with my shooting, live in a world where I know what I don't know, uh, where I, I'm pretty clear on where my weaknesses are. I just fail to work hard enough to uh, improve or mitigate them. <laughs> So that that's that's kind of the Jacob you know summary. So I know that really to improve my shooting skills significantly, my number one thing is a combination of however you want to think of it, uh, grip and, and trigger trigger work. Uh, I say combination of because theoretically I could just get really good on the trigger and that would compensate for a crappy grip. But I'm more likely to succeed if I just get really good with my grip and that compensates for slapping the trigger. Uh, so. So those are the things I know I need to work best at. But with that said, uh, here's the big thing for me recently, and it's simply trying to reset the trigger during recoil. Uh, that's that's the current big thing for Jacob right now. Uh, and, and I think this is a big thing for a lot of people. If I'm shooting quickly, if I know that I'm shooting quickly, uh, then then I, I'll, I just slap the trigger. I just pop, 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 pop. The problem is that uh, two things. One is I, I lose a lot of control. Uh, in doing that, uh, and, and if I have a, a if I don't have a really good you know, lockdown grip, then that's accentuated. Um, the other thing that's happening is it slows down the speed at which I can shoot pretty considerably uh, because I'm 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 pressing that trigger and then resetting it and then pressing the trigger and then resetting it, and so there's just this great lost period of time. And I di I didn't really ever like consciously realize the sequence of which those events were happening until I was on the range this last weekend and I was on the range and uh, we were doing a drill specifically oriented, oriented around this kind of topic. 
And the idea was, you know, it was all about follow through. I think that's how the instructor worded it. And the instructor said, you know, come up on target, uh, press, press, you know, press off a shot and then acquire another sight picture and prep the trigger to the wall immediately so that you're ready to go with the second shot. Uh, but don't take the second shot. At that point, just wait for my command. And this was done with various you know, repetitions and, and with varying different commands after a person had fired the first shot, right? So come up on target, bang, acquire sight picture, prep trigger to the wall, and then wait. And then maybe the instructor would say, okay, shoot a second shot. Or maybe the instructor would say, okay, go ahead and divorce from that trigger and reholster or, or some sort of command. So I thought, yep, got it. Know what to do. No problem, right? And so I come up on target. I squeeze off that first shot. And, uh, and, and then I hear the person next to me who's running a Glock, and I'm also running a Glock at this moment. Uh, the person next to me, I hear the click of the reset. Click. And I think to myself, oh, they shot, had recoil, came up, acquired a second sight picture, and then reset their trigger. How pathetically embarrassing of them to have waited so long to reset their trigger. You know what happened in that moment? I realized I still had my trigger trapped to the rear. And so then I let it out and heard my click. <laughs> and I was super embarrassed. I was like, oh my gosh, like I was condemning this person next to me for being so slow to reset the trigger. And I didn't reset it at all. Um, I had trapped the trigger, if you know, for lack of a better term. I think uh, everyone's probably following along just fine. So, so we did several more repetitions of this. And I just had this moment of clarity where I realized that if I know I'm only going to shoot one shot, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely deliberate especially if I'm going for precision, I'm very deliberate about my trigger press, the way I work through the wall uh, to, to try and, you know, create some, some good neural pathways for me. And because of that, I reset very deliberately or slowly. I mean, it's, sub, it's still subconscious, but it's, it's, it comes after, uh, after that moment. And if I'm shooting multiple shots, if I know I'm going to shoot multiple shots, Hey, run a build drill, you know, come from the holster, come up on target, bang, 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 bang then I'm resetting the trigger, but I still do it after recoil. Recoil. I still press trigger, get recoil, reset trigger, and fire. And that happens relatively quickly, but that's still the sequence. And so I just had a moment of clarity uh, where I realized that uh, that's what I was doing. And so I've been, uh, you know, throughout the rest of that class and since then in my dry fire and things, I've been really focused on uh, reset during recoil. And this is an interesting thing because it's very difficult to train in dry fire. Uh, you know, we're in an ammo shortage right now, and the large majority of us do most of our training via dry fire, at least, you know, certainly myself. Uh, I know you, Riley, and many others who are listening to this. And so if the focus is on a dry fire, then certainly we can train to reset quickly, but you you lack the recoil necessary to really, you know, measure and and feel and determine the idea that I'm resetting during the recoil. Right, that by the time I acquire a second sight picture, I'm ready to I'm ready to fire the next shot, and that's that's the difference for me. And so that's something uh, that I guess is my my latest thing is resetting during recoil. And uh, just to you know add a little bit to our sponsor message, the the Cool Fire Trainer comes in really handy to that degree. So I've been I have been running the Cool Fire Trainer uh, more recently in the last couple of days since that course I took over the weekend because it allows me to do that. It allows me to feel recoil, right? Come up on shot, uh, up on target, press shot, and immediately prep that trigger to the wall for the next follow-up shot uh, during the recoil. As it's recoiling, I'm already resetting the trigger, 
and prepping to the wall. So that as soon as I have my site picture back, I can go again. Um, and as, as you like to say, Riley, you know, shoot as fast as you can see the sites. The sites are the uh, you know, speedometer. Uh, so that's that's my current new one thing for Jacob. And as I finished that little speech, I realized we've lost Riley. The internet connection, had, Riley, Riley's gone. So either the internet's down at the uh, warehouse or he's he's down or something, but he's gone. Riley, you've been missing some fun stuff here. So I got done with my long speech that you didn't get to hear. And uh, I, I caught a lot of it because I, I managed to, you know, just pull up my cell phone, uh, Facebook, and kind of heard a lot of what you laid down. So you, um, you and you could have gotten the gist from the part you heard anyway. Um, yeah. Sorry about yeah. that, everybody. The uh, internet went down hard and fast here and uh, resetting the router and all that. Well, it, it took a minute for everything to come back up finally. So here we are. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and amazingly too, just looking at the uh, viewership numbers that while I was away in viewership increased. So that's a sign yeah. that I should probably go away more often. <laughs> yeah. We should test that in the future. Just have you drop out for like five, 10 minutes, see if we get an increase and then have you come back. See, I, I said a couple of things and four people left, but anyway. Okay. So <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, here's, here's what I took took from what you were saying, Jacob, is that, uh, and this is something I reiterate with those that I have instructed and, and even with myself, because occasionally I still catch myself uh, pinning or trapping the trigger to the rear. Uh, it, it tends to happen more frequently with me when I am shooting really slowly. Okay. So and I, you and I had a conversation yesterday about the use of the word slow. I, I, I tried to avoid the use of the word slow, but um, when I, when we're making careful shots, deliberate precise. shots, yeah. precise shots, uh, that it tends to happen more with me in those situations. Um, and it tends to happen more where I've already made kind of this decision, this predetermined decision that I'm shooting six shots, like say a build drill, and I know I'm stopping on on shot six, and I'll notice occasionally I'll have my finger trapped to the rear uh, or pinned to the rear on on uh, in situations like that. So, and this is because it's been ingrained in me as a shooter since I was a little kid. That's how I was taught. That's how a lot of us were taught. And in the words of Rob Latham, uh, when I was in a bigger circle class last year, him and Mike Seeklander, he, he apologized profusely for uh, screwing up an entire generation. He's like, our generation has screwed you all up. I apologize. We, you know, what we taught for like three decades was wrong. Anyway, um, the thing with pinning the trigger to the reset after a shot's fired is what it ultimately means is your gun is not ready to be fired when your sights are back on target. And that is a, that's a pointless place to be like, and I was listening to you as you were starting to describe like this experience you had, you noticed somebody else fired a shot and then you heard the click. And I was kind of listening to that whole thing. And, and you talked about, okay, the gun's, Fired, it cycles, the sights come back down on target. And that is literally what pinning the trigger to the rear is, is you're, you have set yourself up to not be ready to fire the gun again when your sights are back on target. 
Correct. Yeah. And if I know I'm shooting quickly, right? Like if I'm shooting a build drill or something, I'm just cranking rounds, then clearly I'm not doing that. Right. I'm not trapping it. Like I'm not consciously like resetting it. I'm just the, the difference though in that moment is that I'm also not feeling uh, myself through the wall. I'm just, I'm just slapping that sucker as fast as I can. And, and you know, the argument could be made, well, how bad is that? Well, it's debatable. Uh, but you know, my, my grip is often not as awesome as it could be. So I know that if I have to make a very precise shot, I take up the slack and I work my way through that wall very carefully uh, because that's also not a subconscious skill for me today. So I have to be very thoughtful in order to be precise. And in those moments when I'm, I'm trying to be precise. Yeah. I trap, I trap the trigger. And then I got it. And then I, I notice I'm resetting it. Right. I know I'm like, Oh, reset. And so what's clear is that I do not automatically subconsciously today break a shot and then reset the trigger during recoil. And that's, that's the thing I want to do, right? I want to mm. teach myself without any consideration that when I fire a shot, when I press a trigger, I reset it during recoil. That's what I do. You know, that, that's what I need to do. That's what I should do. That's what I want to do. And not just reset it, but prep it for the second shot. And I may not have to take that second shot, but that that's, you know, I guess I, I'd never really thought about follow through that way. And we talk about follow through as a shooting skill. Some people do. And I've always been like, yeah, sure. That's of course, duh. Right. But, but I guess I never tangibly thought about it to that degree before. And I realized that my follow through sucks. And part of it is because the way we train is we're, we're attempting to, to perform a very specific string of fire. Uh, we know how many shots we're going to fire. Right. And so when we're done, we're done. And, you know, gun comes back. Uh, I had, there was a student on the line with me who we were doing one shot draws. And so, you know, come up, bang, and come back in the holster, come up, bang, come back in the holster. And then, and then the command was given, you know, for follow through, right? Break the shot and then reacquire your sights. There was a, there was a shooter a couple down from in the line that could not do it. I mean, they, they would fire then immediately come back to like a high compressed ready and they'd be like, Oh crap, dang it. And then they'd try again and come back. Like the muscle memory was so ingrained to that. My brain says I'm done shooting, bring the gun back to the body now and get ready to reholster. That was so deep for that student that like with four or five repetitions, they kept doing the same mistake and they knew it. Like that's how deep it was. And for me, it wasn't that deep. Like I could follow, I, I was able to follow the instructions, right? Reacquire the sight picture for a follow-up shot but my finger was not resetting and prepping the trigger. And that was a huge failure. I didn't, did not know I had. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, let's be clear too, with, with regards to things in terms like follow through uh, really, I mean, and, and I, I understand the context you were talking about that the, in the class you were in, the instructor in particular wanted you to stay on target uh you know, and not get into this habit of break shot, snap gun back. Uh, totally get that. But let's be clear in the classical sense of the use of the words or words uh, follow through. Uh, it really means to keep doing all the things you need to do to keep the gun on target until the bullet has left the muzzle of the gun. Right? Sure. Well, but the, but the two are correlated. Yes. But going back to the trigger uh, manipulation thing and trigger reset, uh, traditionally, like that's how I was taught was you need to follow through. You need to follow through that shot. So you you break the shot 
you pin the trigger to the rear, you let the whole, you will, you let everything happen. Gun goes bang, slides, cycles, recoil comes back, you know, snaps back forward, sights back down on target, see that second sight picture. And then finally, now it's okay to go ahead and ease that trigger out till you get a click. That's been somehow roped into this definition of follow through. And that's the worst thing that could have ever happened because all we got to do to fo- in terms of follow through to ensure a bullet hits our intended point of impact where we are aiming the gun is it takes about two hundredths of a second, right? From the time that that trigger goes click and the gun goes bang, you know, and that shot is initiated. It takes about two or three hundredths of a second. That's all we need to keep that trigger right there and keep everything on target and keep, you know, that that's the level of follow through we need is about two or three hundredths of a second. And then it means nothing more beyond that as far as hitting that target. So in, even when we look at the, the, the idea of follow through uh, as it relates to the trigger, as soon as that bullet's left the muzzle, which really means as soon as we start seeing that slide coming back and we feel it in our hands, finger off the trigger, right? Reset that sucker. So that my goal is by the time my sight or my eyes register that my sights have come back to the target, I already want to be at that prep point. And if we're shooting quickly, then we're not stopping at that prep point, right? With the trigger, we're just continuing right on through. Uh, but if we're taking precise shots, I'm already at that prep point. I'm already ready to go. All that's left to to happen is for me to refine and confirm my sight picture and away we go again. Uh, anyway, it's really good stuff. And and it's something that a lot of shooters struggle with. Um, again, with, with where I'm coming from today, that's already assumed that that exists, uh, to an extent skill wise, uh, it, although listening to your story, Jacob, if, if I was going to say, hey, bro, like here's the one thing you and I are going to work on and try to, you know, really help you with, it would be to get this very thing, this idea of trigger manipulation uh, to be as subconscious as possible, right? So that even with a deliberate trigger press or an accelerated trigger press, right, a a target, a shot that requires some measure of trigger preparation versus one that you're just slamming through the trigger. Um, We want that to be happening automatically. And we want that trigger reset to happen automatically. And I would say, bro, we got to get that in your subconscious because we don't want to be thinking about that. It's it's kind of like, yeah, at the same time, you know, I, I know that grip would make a big difference too, because grip also impacts a bunch of other things, but uh, like I ran yes. a drill this weekend where uh, I really focused in my head. I was like, you know, when I, when I run a drill, I'm trying to perform. So I really like mentally rehearse. I'm thinking in my head about all the things I want to do really well. And in my head, almost regardless of the drill, the things I always am thinking consciously, consciously that I, w- I want to do well, because these are things that are not yet sub- subconscious skills are get a real good grip, like hit, you know, hit that gun strong with the good hand, acquire a really strong grip when I marry the hands and then work the trigger well. those are the like the things I'm mentally thinking about every time. So I, we ran this drill and it's a casino drill, a very, very variation of a casino drill. And so it come out of the, out of the holster, uh, bang, 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 hit a reload, right? Seven round mags in a casino drill. So drop the mag reload, come back up, 
decent grip, right? Pop off my next seven shots, another reload, come back up on, on a target. And in this moment, I threw of the next seven shots, I threw four of them to the left, the first four. And then I just you know, compensated and adjusted, right? Uh, as I was trying to run that gun pretty fast. But it was it was like, ah, crap. Like the my trigger work did not improve, it did not worsen over the course of that run. What happened was, after the second reload, my grip did not was, did not go back to being as well as good as it had been in the first two volleys of fire, and so because of that, my trigger deficiency, which previously had been masked by a good grip, became apparent. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I have you know, both yeah. both the skills have to you know can be improved, and one can compensate for the other. Yeah, you know, and that's a common thing, actually, just in general with shooters, that they will tend to relax a little bit the longer they go into a string of fire. So that comes into play. But also that reacquiring the grip after a reload, a very tricky, you know, that's almost a specific skill in of itself uh, or or something that a person can isolate is the idea of I'm going to perform a reload and reacquire the grip. You could you could turn that into a micro drill and work on that pretty hardcore uh, by itself because that that is that is a thing. Um, again, yeah, I mean, we, we want to get you to where your grip is subconscious, that it just happens, that you don't think about it. Uh, or at the very least, like kind of the next step for you is to get to where, okay, as I'm thinking about things, as I'm doing a little prep, I'm going to initially maybe think about grip, but then once you've set that grip, you want to forget about it. You know, Uh, that'd be kind of like the next step. And then getting to the next step beyond that is you're never thinking about it because it just happens. Right. And that's just, that's going to come with time. It's going to come with practice with lots of repetitions. So uh, the other thing too, and I think this is really relevant for those that are listening or, v- or viewing the podcast today, is that we, we really need to get into the mindset of, uh, of thinking of grip and trigger manipulation as being a system that they really work together. Uh, you know, so I've heard you say about, well, you know, my grip kind of compensated for lack of trigger manipulation skills or, or vice versa. Uh, and that, that is true. Uh, but, but it really is a system, you know, like they, they, they work together. Uh, and we ideally want trigger manipulation and grip to both get better where where we can. Um, but, uh, yeah, good stuff, brother. Like that's, that's really good stuff to actually think about and kind of think through. And I know that stuff you're describing is where a lot of other shooters are at as well. Well, and you know, there's there's no advanced shooting, right? And so the, the the difference between me doing those two things well, like consistent good grip and consistent good trigger work, and not consistent good grip and consistent good trigger work, is the difference maker right now between me. Like, it's 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 the eighty twenty, and I'm always looking for the eighty twenty because I'm lazy and busy at the same time. Being lazy and busy is a horrible combination in life. I I hope no one else has to deal with that combination of personality factors. And so, you know, I'm always looking for, you know, what's the thing I can do and put in 20% of the effort and it will improve me 80% of the results. Uh, I did the ASP 10 round, whatever they call it. It's like, like, it's like their, their, their like measurement thing of skill. And it's some ridiculous formula. John or Neil or whoever, if you listen to this, this 
please figure out a new way to calculate this. It's like <laughs> add up all your times, uh, divide by five, add penalties, multiply times 12.4. Like it's something like, like I was explained three times how to calculate the score of this thing. And I'm like, screw it. Like someone else figure this out. Anyway, they, it's basically, basically it's out of a hundred. Like if you, you know, if you get a hundred, you're just the shiz dig diggity. And um, I got a 50 something. And on the line with me, I was probably, I, I don't know. I was, I was in the group, right. It was kind of between 40 and about 60 and I got a 50 something. And you know the difference between me figuring that out, right. Consistent grip and trigger work was the difference between me scoring like a 50 something and a 70 something on that test. That that's what it would have been because my times were solid. I ran the gun pretty dang fast because I always go too fast. I'm, I always outshoot my skills. Um, but I, I was, my accuracy was the problem and the accuracy, guess what? All my misses were to the left. Right. So anyway, uh, and I was seeing my sights, I might add, by the way, like I, I was getting sight picture. So anyway, yep. That's for me. That's, you know, cool. I know those are my things and that's my 80, 20, the, the, the thing I can put in 20% of the work and I love being lazy, but I could increase my shooting skill by about 80%. Yeah. 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 Well, make a commitment today, brother. Spend 15 minutes a day. Dry fire. <laughs> no, no comment on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's really the key. You know, when, when I could almost make this the, that one thing that's made all the difference for me as a shooter is just the fact that – and I'm not perfect in this, right? I, I talk about it. We preach it uh, as far as doing daily dry fire. But life certainly does get in the way. Yeah. Right. And, and like, like right now I haven't dry fired for a couple of days just cause so much going on, you know, with family and with work and staying here late, laying carpet on the new office floor. Um, you know, but, but I've got a, you know, but I've, I've already decided for myself today. I, I, I had that realization this morning. I'm like, man, I've got a big match coming up this, this weekend, uh, that I want to do well at. And I've, I've, I've let the dry fire go out the window, uh, and, and I got to get back on that horse tonight. I've got a couple of days I can, you know, get a couple of good sessions in just to make sure that those, it's those little things for me, right? I want to make sure that draw is, is right on. I want to make sure my reloads are spot on. Uh, you know, I want to make sure that I am doing all these things like you're talking about, including acquiring grip and performing reloads and reacquiring grip and not having to think about it and not having to worry about it and just knowing that it's going to be there all that stuff comes because of consistent regular and, and frankly daily is, is like the gold standard uh, practice. And so, you know what? Yeah. I fall off the horse for a few days. Okay. Today is the day to make a difference in that and, and get back on the horse and ride. Um, dry fire has been a huge benefit to me in upping my skill level. Uh, but but that's not the one thing that I'm talking about in this episode today. Uh, are you ready to get into this, Jacob? I'm ready. What's your one thing? Uh, I would say that the one thing for me is, and it, it, it's a little bit tricky to put this into one thing, uh, but as I was just talking about with like grip and trigger manipulation being like a system, I would say that this is kind of of that same sort of thing. It, it, it's, it's sort of a system and an approach. And what I mean by that is it, it's a combination of vision. A lot of it's vision, frankly, uh, 
Um, it, it, and you've so in other words, you've, you've got to develop a certain acuity for what you see and what you perceive in your gun in your sights um, as you're shooting, as you're running your gun. And it, it, it's once you have that in place, it then allows you to use that vision as a, as a tool. It allows you to take, because now what it is, is you're collecting that information that you're taking in visually, and now you're able to do something with it. So this is a bit probably deeper for some people, but it really shouldn't and doesn't have to be a, that deep of a, of a concept or a skill set. So really what I'm getting at is that for a long time as a shooter, as a developing shooter, and I think I even got to where I was pretty good, but didn't really understand some of these things. And what I mean by that is I'm going to throw out the concept of calling your shots, for instance, as an example. It's a part of this. It's a part of this system. Uh, I think for a while, I mean, I was calling shots, not consistently, not 100% of the time, but there's definitely those times I would recognize, I'm like, yep, I know where that one went. And, but I didn't really understand why I knew, you know, it wasn't something that I was analyzing on a deeper level. Uh, and to some of you, that might not seem like a big deal. Like, well, why is that relevant? Or why is that important? Uh, why would I need to call my shots? What is, maybe some of you are even asking, what is calling my shots? And I would simply respond with a very straightforward def definition of calling shots is, you know where the round, where the bullet goes based on what you, you see and or also maybe feel uh, in, in the gun. It, it's basically the feedback you get from the gun as the shot's fired. And most of it is probably visual because the, the tactile piece is a lot more difficult to read. Okay. But calling shots is knowing where that bullet goes exactly at that moment that you fire the shot. That's what calling shots is. And that's a really, I think that's a really valuable skill to have because for a long time I spent time, I wasted time, frankly, of just shooting rounds and, and and I would find myself in a position sometimes Jacob where I would I would maybe shoot a drill and think that went pretty good yeah that felt good like I think I saw my sights like sights on target yeah okay if sights are on target and I press the trigger good then yeah I know where that, I know where yeah good job I, you know and then you walk down range and look at your target you're like well these four shots here are pretty good that's not what I expected but these other five or six are not what I expected. Why is that? And that would sometimes trouble me a little bit. In fact, I remember asking the question of somebody and, and, it, and it had to do with calling shots. I remember kind of asking like, why occasionally do for me, it had to, it was more in a match environment, like shooting a, like a USPSA stage. And so like you got paper targets, you have some steel targets mixed in and let's just say I'd be burning it down on paper, right? Whack, 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 whack on all the paper. And then I'd go to a steel target and pull the trigger. And I'd already be transitioning back to another paper target or maybe to another steel target. But then realize, wait, that steel target didn't go down. I didn't hit that steel target. And, and it'd kind of be that little bit of an inter internal frustration of, 
why didn't I hit that steal? I, I thought I hit that steal. I thought I saw my sights on that steel target and I pressed trigger, but I didn't hit it. What the heck, right? Well, that was where I started having to answer the question by discovering a little bit better of what calling my shots meant. And there's definitely a difference between thinking your sights are where you think they are, meaning on target and you're pressing the trigger and whatnot. There's a difference between thinking that's where your round is going and knowing that's where your round is going. And uh, that, that, that might, that might be a little above, you know, where some of you are at, or again, some of you are probably thinking, well, what is the relevance, Riley? And the relevance is I want to know where my bullets are going in a competition match, huge value because I can push the speed even more in a competition because I know I, I either know I'm making my hits or I'm, I know I'm not making my hits. And if I know I'm not making my hits, then a quick follow-up shot to, to ensure I get my hits is very easy to do. It's faster than, so the example that I used a moment ago of transitioning over to a steel target and thinking I hit it, but by the time I've already transitioned off of it, I then realized maybe out of the peripheral vision that, wait, that target didn't go down. So then you lose time having to go back to it and hit it again. Whereas if in that moment, I called my shot correctly and accurately and knew, yep, hit that. Or, excuse me, let me back up. If I knew I missed it, but I'm still right there, it takes less time to go ahead and send another shot and make it up, right? So, so knowing where your bullets go is a powerful thing. Talk about the defensive context now. Knowing where your bullets go on a human target, on a deadly threat, hugely valuable information to have, okay? Because you don't get to check paper ho or holes in, in like you do in a paper target. You don't get to check your work on your bad guy. Did I hit him? Right? In the moment, you don't get to check that, okay? So knowing based on the feedback I get from the gun, where those rounds go, extremely value, valuable in a defensive context. So I, I've, I've gone down this path of, all right, I talked about vision a little bit, and then I started talking about calling shots. Well, let me get back to the vision piece. Let me explain now why I struggled with this a little bit. And I would say I had not quite yet figured out how important visual information is in the shooting context. Um, reading Brian Enos's book about practical shooting just changed my life as far as being a shooter. Uh, hit, what, what it's changed for me is that I've become, I've been able to see a lot more. Okay. So what I mean by that is it, there's a tendency when we shoot a gun to become tunnel visioned with, but we don't realize we're tunnel visioned, if that makes sense. Like tunnel vision, in the classical sense would be mean that like our peripheral vision gets darkened and thus we can't, it's like we're wearing blinders. And so the only thing we can see is what's directly ahead. But I'm talking about where the brain basically throws out all of this peripheral information 
and we get really sucked into certain things with re, uh, relating to the shooting of the gun. And sometimes we get sucked into certain things visually that aren't all that important to actually, you know, to what we're actually doing. Um, and so what I mean is I've started to try to really open up myself visually. So I've tried, I, I am now where, where, so where I'm at right now as a shooter is instead of being really locked in on target and sites and all in that relationship, that's still present, but I'm also seeing a lot more in my peripheral. I'm seeing other targets in the vicinity that I may need to transition to. I'm aware of them. I'm seeing my gun recoil. I'm seeing that slide come back and go forward. I'm seeing the brass eject out of the gun and fly over my shoulder. Like I'm seeing, I'm taking all of that in and I'm aware of it. And it's that visual awareness that has started really switching me on in my shooting performance because for us to get to that level of visual awareness, it means it means for us in terms of things like running our gun and calling our shots is that we can actually see that crap that we need to see that helps us call our shots. Meaning for us to know where our bullets are going when we're shooting our gun requires a high level of visual awareness. I didn't quite have that figured out. Part of it is because I was way too tense as a shooter. So if you said a year ago, Jacob, Riley, step up, shoot a build drill. You've seen me burn down build drills a year ago, two years ago, even three years ago. But I was a very tense shooter. I was very like, okay, all right, yeah, sub two second. Here we go. All right. Okay, Jacob, already. Beep. And I like I was tense, bro. I was like, like I'm going to draw this gun super quick. I'm going to put it up there on target and I'm going to go wham, 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 wham six times. Like that was kind of my attitude with running my gun. Contrast was where I am today. I'm relaxed when I do that sort of thing more often than not. The difference is, is that being relaxed has allowed me to be more visually aware. Being more visually aware has allowed me to take in more, feedback from the gun taking in more feedback from the gun means i have a greater uh degree of accuracy and confidence in shooting the gun and knowing the result not when i see the round impact paper but i know the result when my finger presses the trigger that so that i i i know i've been going for for a minute now <laughs> But well, I had my turn when you went offline. What's that? Um, I said you. I had my turn when you went offline. Right. I'm. Um, I'm trying to understand fully what you're saying. Not only what you're saying, but also how to replicate it. Uh, because I think that if I'm hearing you right, uh, the one thing for you is increasing your visual, your ability to to see everything that's happening both at the micro and macro level. And that leads you to being able to call your shots. And that is the, that's the, that's your one thing. So the, the skill is this like visual acuity and, and being able to at 
quite the pace, I might add, see sights, see targets, see the, the, the recoil of the gun, see the brass, you know, like the brass, you know, being uh, abstracted and ejected, seeing other, you know, peripherals of, of other targets and all that kind of thing. That's, that's your one thing. What I, what I'm not necessarily hearing from yeah. you is how do I do that? Uh, yeah. and, and maybe the answer is like, well, like practice that practice seeing stuff, um, you know, train the eyes by just trying to see more than you currently see and doing that a lot. Maybe, maybe that's the answer here. Maybe there's, that's not more, it's not any more complex than that. Yeah. Um, so replicating it, it, it is, I mean, it's easier said than done for sure. Right. It's one of those things. And it, and it is a thing that you really kind of need to experience. Uh, and I didn't really have any one instructor that like, showed me or helped me see that and understand it for me is a lot of like trial and error um, and reading things, reading Brian's Brian Enos's book and like really analyzing and trying to like visualize in my head from all the many thousands of rounds I'd fired. Like, what do I actually see? And what am I looking for? That, that's a challenging thing. Um, replicating it though can be done. And so let me kind of walk you through, and I just did this with a student in a class a couple weeks back, uh, uh, Rich. We had Rich as a student, and Rich got some nice one-on-one time with me. And with Rich, I was able to actually help him like realize this, and I could see as soon as that light bulb turned on, like everything in him switched. And so that, and that's that's the moment I knew, I'm like, bro, you got it. I just, you know, like I led you to water and you were able to drink and boom. Um, so how we accomplish this with him is kind of like what I just described. And I actually, uh, I did a couple of visual exercises with him. First of all, when we were sitting at lunch, just having a bite to eat, as I was sitting there, I said, okay, Rich, here's the deal. Uh, I'm looking at this one object. Okay. In my, and I'm, and that's where my focus is. So the direction of my eyes, the alignment of my eyes is directly onto that object. And it's probably about 40 yards away. And I described that object to him. I just made it clear, like, that's my focus, right? I see it very well. I see it very clearly. I know exactly what it is. But now, listen, I'm going to start describing to you other things I see because we see like 170 degrees, right? In, in uh, laterally or horizontally. And we see about 120 degrees or so vertically. Uh, and, and here's the amazing thing about our eyes is every day, all day long, we take in that full 170 degree by 120 degrees or whatever, like full time, all the time, all the information is coming in. It's the brain that decides what to use and what to discard. Right. And what to like uh, pay attention to, what to be aware of. Uh, we, and I'm not a scientist on this, you know, at all. And it would be really interesting to get in, more into the science of this. But I'm just telling you, like, that's we see everything all the time. So I did this visual exercise with him and I, I basically encouraged him to do the same thing. Focus on this one thing. Now start describing to me other things that you see in your peripheral vision, both your near periphery with that. That's the stuff that's around that 
central focus area, and then also the wider periphery. Keep going out. Keep telling me more and more stuff. So that was kind of the first piece. The second piece was, now we're going to do that with a gun. So now you're going to look at the target or when he was running a red dot optic. And I saw the question from Jared pop up about uh, switching to optics. And I'll, I'll maybe come back to that. But now we switched to the gun and I told him, okay, so you're going to focus on this thing and you're going to shoot. Okay. And we did that. And I asked him what he saw, what he noticed. He described it to me. And then we started opening that up. I said, now I want you to shoot again. And I want you to describe something else, not the thing that you're focused on because you already described that. Now start describing other things that you can see and be aware of while you fired that gun. He started doing that. And then I started giving him things. I said, this time I want you to try to see if you see the slide of the gun cycle as you fire this shot in your peripheral vision, right? Your focus is still on the target here on this, on this point or this circle or whatever it is you're trying to hit. But I want you to tell me if in your peripheral vision, you can see this slide go chunk chunk. And it took like two or three tries. And he's like, I saw the slide cycle. Okay. Guess what? Now we're getting somewhere because when we start picking up on that kind of thing, that starts relating it to me being able to track my sights, iron sights or red dot, doesn't matter. I can start tracking my sights when I first start becoming aware of those things actually moving in front of my, in front of my face as that shot's being fired. When we start picking up on that visual information, that starts leading us in the direction to being able to call shots and do so with a high degree of accuracy. And so kind of walking them through this, this sort of vision is more of a visual exercise than it was a shooting exercise. And from there, there's a few other things. I, I'm leaving out some details because mostly because of time. Um, but we were able to get to where all of a sudden Rich could fire shots. And I'd be like, where'd that go? And he told me, he's like, uh, that went low left, you know, or that went straight left in like the C it's close to the letter C in the C zone of a USPSA target sort of thing, right? Yep, you're right. Well, that one went low left, kind of down where the corner of the A zone is. On the, you know, like that kind of thing. He, I mean, that's a, again, that's a powerful thing. And it changed his world because he had no idea that you could even do that. To Jared's question, whether switching to optics helps this, helps with this. I would say for me, it has. Uh, and when I tell people, I've, I've used this terminology before, shooting a red dot optic on my pistol has helped me become a better iron sight shooter. And I would say the reason for that is because shooting a red dot has allowed me to open up my visual awareness, which now coming back to an iron sighted gun, now I understand a little bit better what I need to be seeing as I'm shooting a gun that has only iron sights on it, uh, as opposed to getting really sucked into the sights and their relationship to the target. Okay. That was actually extremely specific and helpful. Uh, whereas the first thing you said sounded cool, but was not extremely helpful. So uh, I, I'm, I'm and, hearing and what you're way, saying. I, have, I guess. So. Sorry, I was just saying, I see we have Steve Anderson watching. And I'm repping this shirt. Oh, there you go. And, and and Steve has been immensely helpful in his podcast. That shooting show has been immensely helpful to me in in 
together with these other pieces and bits and things I've picked up on through the years, like his stuff has helped me a lot in this. Absolutely. I got to give credit to, to Steve, the man Anderson. And he says, shot calling is a thousand times easier with a dot. I agree with that. I think there's some shooters that are able to pick, figure out shot calling with iron sights. Um, But for me, Again, like I said, I've become a better iron sight shooter and be able to call sight shots with iron sights better because I learned what I needed to be seeing better with a red dot. Absolutely. So today's episode is sponsored by the Cool Fire Trainer. So I'm curious about your thoughts about that and Airsoft. I have here uh, next to me my dry fire range bag. That's how lame and geeky I am, is that I have a dedicated range bag for dry, dry fire. And I'd like to, you know, and in here I have a, a Glock a Gen 3 uh, Glock 19 Airsoft pistol. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, because I think that this visual acuity, certainly a person can probably increase it and train it and practice it without recoil, right, in dry fire. But if I, if I, if I you know, I think seeing the gun cycle is an important part of this this exercise, clearly, for obvious reasons. And so I want to know from you, uh, you know, especially during an ammo shortage like right now, how, what what tools do you think help with this? Or how, you know, it, yes, that. I think I, mm-hmm. I stated my question clear enough. So I, I will respond with a couple of things. Uh, first of all, in my my eye was opened to this recently with Tim Heron being in his class and he asked about doing a dead trigger drill. I didn't know what he meant by that. So I asked him to explain. And he talked about how we can do dry fire with a dead trigger, meaning like, say, take your Glock, for instance, Jacob, and you press the trigger once and you get a dead trigger. Well, you can still do, you can still manipulate that finger. And let's say, let's just simulate a build drill, right? So, all right, slam that trigger six times on your paper target or whatever that you've got up on your wall and watch what the sights do as you do that. Okay. That can also sort of, I mean, that you can start picking up on some of these uh, visual patterns uh, that will be helpful to you in live fire from doing something like that and just becoming aware of how your sights move as you're doing something like that. Now back to today's episode sponsor, cool fire trainer uh, here's one of the reasons, here's one of the things I, I would say I, I've done a lot of dry fire work in the last six, seven, eight, nine months that hasn't been with a cycling slide or, of, or even with a resetting trigger. Um, but there, but you know, and, and I combining the right dry fire regimen together with live fire practice regularly can really work well together as a, as a training system. But with ammo being the way it is and the cost like it is, I do think that, you know, because there's those times like I'm still trying to do a lot of dry fire practice, but I'm not able to do as much live fire as what I'm once used to. And so I still find that I miss having a little bit of that, that live fire, you know, experience. So um, more than ever, I think tools like Cool Fire Trainer have a lot of value in today's world with the way the market is. So the the thing that we the the thing is with cool fire is that the recoil impulse is different. That's that's the best way to describe it. People want to want to know well is it this is it like the same 
weight of recoil energy? Is it, you know, does recoil it the same and all that stuff? It's like, it's really hard to describe. The fact is the recoil impulse you get from a cool fire trainer is different. It's different in a lot of ways from a live fire. However, where I think there is some value is that you get a slide that moves, you get a sight that lifts, a dot that lifts up, you know, or the front sight lifting out of your rear sight notch as you're firing the gun. Of course, in dry fire with the cool fire, you get that experience and you get to test things like grip a little bit, right? And you get to start training that eye visually to pick up on patterns as that gun is cycling. Uh, and that is that is a really valuable thing. So I think that Cool Fire Trainer can be a very valuable tool in learning how to see what you need to see visually, open yourself up to that, being able to pick up on details in that sight picture that you used to never you know, be able to see and notice. And that leads you in that path of being able to call your shots with great precision and accuracy. So yes, I think it's a great tool for that. Uh, use it in moderation, like, like all things, uh, you know, as far as, you know, I could, I could, I could practice hundred percent live fire and that's cool, but there's probably some things I'd miss out on that I could do in dry fire. And if I only ever do dry fire, I'm going to definitely miss out on some things in the live fire practice Cool Fire Trainer allows us to get a little bit of that experience both at home and at the range. What about my airsoft? Uh, since yeah, you know my airsoft gun has an actual projectile, it has a point of impact, uh, different than the state Cool Fire Trainer. Cool Fire Trainer just has a la- has a laser module, though I'll be the first one to admit that I rarely attach my laser module on my Cool Fire Trainer just because I find it very inconvenient um, to take it on, take it off, take it on, take it off to recharge it. So yeah. most of the time yeah. using my cool fire trainer, I don't use my laser module, but my airsoft has a point of impact. Do you think that that's valuable? Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. So, and again, in today's world with ammo being the way it is, I think airsoft is an absolutely valuable tool that we can be using to supplement our training because it allows us to get some of those same things that we would get in live fire, not on the same level or to the same degree, but allows us to get some of that experience at a low cost. And that's important uh, in today's world. So yes. And again, with like an airsoft, I mean, the thing there is most of those airsoft pistols, the slide weight is very lightweight. Your recoil energy is quite low. Um, it shoots flatter than a 22 does probably, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, you get some disruption in your sight picture as that thing cycles and that's fine. It's it's still great practice and it's still great. I think that you can absolutely practice things like shot calling, even with an airsoft pistol. So yeah, uh, I've got airsoft guns. I've got cool fire trainer. Um, I, I, I kind of, spread the wealth with a lot of these tools. You know, there's kind of like days where I'm like, you know what, today I'm going to do some practice with the airsoft out in the backyard. Cool. All right. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to do dry fire only, like no, no cool fire, just straight up, just working on draws, working on presentation, picking up sites, transitions. I can do all that in straight up dry fire. Uh, next day I might do some cool fire. I might, or I might mix the two into one session. So, and I'll tell you what I'm doing this week a little bit, but, and, and I say a little bit just because 
I don't have a cool fire for my P320 competition gun yet. Um, but I haven't been able to shoot as much lately as I would like. And so I've got a big match coming up this week, area one, and I don't want to show up not having really shot a lot of rounds. And, and so just to kind of remind my brain of like what that feels like before I show up at the match, all cold and stuff this week, later this week. Uh, Cause I know I'm not going to make it to the range before I go. I'm going to run the cool fire trainer with my Glock 19 just to get a few reps. And just again, to kind of remind the brain, like this is what recoil feels like. It's cool. It's all good. Now you're going to go to the match. You're going to draw. You're going to hit this one's for Steve. So you're going to center the dot and call the shot. Awesome. Uh, I, I too try, you know, I don't do as nearly as much practice as you do, but when I do, I, I'm all over the tools. I, I go back and forth all the time. I definitely run my cert pistol more than anything else. And part of that's just convenience sake. I don't have to grab the air. I don't have to, you know, change this out of this gun. Uh, in the case of airsoft, I don't have to get BBs and figure out a point of impact and, you know, and a little trap. Uh, so I, I run the cert more than anything else for sure. Um, but, you know, I may or may not use it with LASR on one day. I may or may not, uh, you know, grab the cool fire trainer and run it instead and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, unfortunately, I often find people asking us as a company or as individuals. Uh, and, and in fact, we had a comment earlier today when when you uh, when I was talking earlier, someone asked about you know, which do you recommend if a person can only buy one, you know, the cool fire trainer or a cert pistol. And I hate those questions because I'm sort of like, well, I use them all, man. And I think that's kind of hard, but it's also an unrealistic expectation, uh, though probably right now it's not since no one can spend their money on ammo. But under normal conditions, it's probably an unrealistic expectation to expect someone to go out and buy uh, all of it at once. Oh, you're a new shooter? Great. Go drop some money on a cool fire trainer, cert pistol, um, plus maybe an airsoft. Oh, and don't forget you probably need this. And, you know, and it just starts to add up really fast. And uh, especially when someone's new, they're probably not as committed to the skill. And so that, that, that can sometimes be a challenge, I think. But in an ideal world, you have all the tools and you use them uh, for, for practicing different things. Uh, again, it seems to be the a theme of this episode today. Because of ammunition availability and cost, I would probably if if you have made up your mind that you are going to buy some kind of dry fire aid or tool, I would probably prioritize cool fire trainer over anything else right now because it gives you that one thing that you don't get with anything else. I can do anything that I that I need to dry fire practice wise with my live gun in a complete dry setting, right? Unloaded, just going through the reps, right? I can do anything I need to do. The one thing I don't get is that sight alignment disturbance from recoil. And and then that's really what it is. I don't care about the recoil energy that comes into my hands. That's not really the big value for me of the cool fire trainer. People say, well, I got to, you know, other than I, I did say that, it's going to help me a little bit this week in my prep going to area one and not being able to shoot immediately before this big match. But, but that's, that's a secondary benefit. The bigger thing is getting practice with site acquisition and tracking and transitions from target to target. That's immensely more valuable in my opinion. And it, it again, provide it, it's something that the cool fire provides that almost nothing else does. So 
Yeah. Guys, uh, now it sounds like a big, you know, infomercial, uh, advertorial, whatever, but go to concealedcarry.com forward slash cool fire. <laughs> it's like, a commercial. I love it when it ends in, <laughs> when it ends in a commercial, I'm pumped. <laughs> and, and that is where we would end the episode. We always, you know, give one last uh, shout out to, uh, uh, to, to, to the episode sponsors and stuff. And so, um, that's, that's sponsored today. Cool fire trainer. Uh, one last summary is again, being able to relax myself, relax my, my vision and my mental processing and just allowing myself to see and then run my gun in that now more all seeing environment has changed everything for me as a shooter and is helping me achieve my performance goals that, that I have set for myself. And I would have never been able to get there if I continued to be as tense and, and intense as I have been for years as a shooter. So that's my, my parting words and where I'll leave it. And guys, there, there's a greater level of, of enlightenment <laughs> out there if you have yet to, to uh, have experienced it. Uh, yeah, I guess my summary thought would be that uh, for years, I've always thought you were born with different eyes than me, despite me actually having good eyes and you having corrective vision. Um, because you often say things like we're, we're on the range together and you'll say something like, uh, well, I, you know, I shoot as fast as I can see the sights. And inside my head, I'm thinking there's no humanly, there's no human way you can see the sights that fast. I see your splits. And I, I, if I shoot that fast, I'm not seeing my sights. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're shooting 0.15, I, I, for one, couldn't do that. But even if I could shoot 0.15s, and I don't think I've ever shot those kind of splits, but but even at like 0.18s, 0.19s for me, I'm not getting a sight picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, not not traditionally, and maybe that's improving some. Uh, but you'll say things yeah. like that. I, and I think to myself, uh, <laughs> sounds good, but I don't know how you're doing it. Right? I don't know how you're yep. seeing that that fast. And so you know, talking through this has been very valuable to add the context to some of these things that we say all the time, like shoot as fast yeah. as you can see the sights or let the sights be your gas pedal or um, you know, any of these things that we, that we commonly say or, 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 and that you, you know, often repeat. I think that the context is, well, that there, there's a skill associated with being able to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad you, you're you're choosing to end kind of with those words. I know I said I was done, but but if there is a secret, you know how we always say like there's no like secret sauce to shooting a gun well, you know, or that kind of thing. If there is a secret sauce, it's kind of this thing that separates you and me. Uh, that like what you're talking about right here, uh, because people always want to know, well, how can I get faster and more accurate, or at least maintain accuracy as I get faster. And this is really what it is. It's all about seeing your sights sooner or faster. Like it's, it's all about seeing that and knowing and knowing what you see earlier in the shooting process. That's what allows you to go faster and maintain accuracy or at least acceptable standards of accuracy. That's really the secret sauce. So how do you do that? 
you got to expose the, the eye, really the brain. It's the brain. It's, it's the brain that's slow to catch up to these things. And we have to expose the brain to, to be able to start picking up patterns and recognizing what's happening when the brain catches up to all of that that's happening and taking place. Uh, that's then what allows us to understand that visual information better and then see the side picture sooner. That's the secret. That's all I got. Uh, guys, uh, it's probably been a little bit longer episode than I intended. Uh, but, you know, appreciate all of you for sticking around for it and all your comments, too. And I'm, I'm going to go back in here and uh, respond to some of you uh, directly uh, in the comments that I was not able to address uh, live on the show just because of either being focused and in the moment or not having time to address some of those questions that you guys are bringing up. Really good stuff, by the way. And I appreciate you, Jacob, for uh, uh, humoring me and saying, yep, this is an interesting subject to do on the podcast. Let's do it. Uh, I've enjoyed talking about it. And I hope that somebody somewhere out there listening has gotten something out of it. Like if, if one person sends me an email or sends us an email, if you, if you email podcast at concealedcarry.com, Jacob sees it. I see it. Matthew, our producer, sees it. Uh, if one person emails me and says, what you guys talked about in this episode made something click for me and that makes a difference for you and your shooting, then my work here is done. And so with that, I guess we better say sayonara. So uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode today, guys. Again, uh, one last shout out to the episode sponsor, Cool Fire Trainer can be found at concealedcarry.com forward slash cool fire. And I hope you might consider picking one up today with that. You know, the, you know the phrase we're going to leave you with a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Mm-hmm.